0: You can hear it. Some of you saw it. They got back here. Half of them. Still enough to surround us 20 deep. Look, I know you're scared. You haven't seen anything like this. You haven't been through anything like this. But we're safe for now. The panel the truck hit seems intact. We reinforced it just in case. Either way, the wall's gonna hold together. Can you? The others, they're gonna be back.
1: They're
2: gonna be back.
0: (laughs) Daryl, Abraham, Sasha, they have vehicles. They're going to lead them away, just like the others. And Glenn and Nicholas are going to walk back through the front gate after. They know what they're doing. And we know what we need to do.
2: This week on the Pop-Optic Walking Dead podcast, we're talking about Now, Season 6, Episode 5. And it's written by Corey Reed, directed by Avi Ubayan And we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kulzik, TV editor of PopOptic.com. And this week we are late with the podcast. Um, Many apologies to our our fabulous listeners. Life intervenes sometimes, and that is what happened this week. Unfortunately, uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, Ricky uh, had to step away from the podcast uh, for this second part of the season, Um, and he may be back in the future. Uh, hopefully he will be but he wanted me to pass along to everyone a few things um and so i will do that a little bit later on but before i do that i want to make sure to introduce my fabulous guest this week uh from pop optic as well and my collaborator uh over at our hannibal podcast this is our design mr sean coletti sean welcome to the podcast
1: Oh, thank you for having me um uh,
2: now the what ricky wanted to to point out to our listeners uh, as well as sending his regards and and everything is that that he's always right because he called a few of the reveals here and that he thinks we are absolutely going to get um what was i think it was a halloween episode one of the ones he had said we were going to get a while back and uh again he was right that maggie is indeed pregnant um and yes tip of the hat ricky always write about walking dead even when he's not able to join us on the podcast um this as we always say at the top of the podcast this episode will just be looking at um this episode of the walking dead there will be no spoilers from the comics there will be um, no spoilers for things yet to come on the pod uh, on the uh the walking dead tv show um and I haven't even read the comics. Sean, what's your relationship with the comics?
1: Oh, Kate, you know I don't know how to read.
2: <laughs> so all of that out of the way, what did you think of this episode?
1: It's just frustrating because um, my progression, progression with The Walking Dead has been very bumpy. And over the last couple of years, like, it's really picked up. I think everything post-governor, it became a show that I didn't really feel like I had to provide my explanation for sticking with it with exceptions anymore you know and unfortunately this episode wasn't that good following a series of quite good episodes to begin this season uh granted it's hard to follow an episode like last week because lenny james can just carry it by himself but and i also understand that you need to kind of do this recovery after everything that went down uh, and especially at least take a stab at developing characters who haven't really had enough development yet but most of those stabs I think were ill-attempted and it was really hard to connect emotionally with this one
2: Well when you have so many characters that are central to this episode that have been supporting interacting with each other especially that's where I think you run into problems when we have Eric who has been in the back burner on the back burner for a while but you know we we like Eric we we enjoy Eric. Um, but he's paired with Maggie, who has been underserved for quite a while, then that allows allows us to get more time with Eric, get to know him better, sort of re-familiarize our- ourselves with him, while we're also spending time with the character we're more invested with theoretically, in Maggie. When we have this back and forth with Spencer and Deanna, I mean we're comparatively is, is we're like Eric barely... Eric? Uh I have Eric down. It may be Aaron. I've called him both on this podcast. Um, but when we have Spencer and Deanna talking, I mean, I like Deanna, but I barely know Spencer at all. And I don't feel like I know Deanna well enough that she can be our grounding force for that conversation. So those scenes worked individually, but I think maybe there was too much of a, of a focus on those relationships and those dynamics, um, that are less, less central to the show you know then maybe this episode needed to keep it a bit more balanced
1: uh yeah that was the really interesting thing for me about this episode was the the dynamic between deanna and spencer uh the, the first shot that we get in this episode is her climbing up and just establishing her as the viewpoint character in that way i think um was a great way to begin because i'm i'm at least on board with trying to to get to know these characters better and i think deanna is especially interesting in the sense that most of the characters who we've kind of seen go off the deep end, like Sasha is a good example of this, we haven't seen most of them where it's their first like real experience with the outside world. You know, that's the beauty of kind of following this subset of characters is that they've kind of just cordoned themselves off since the apocalypse happened. And now they're getting a real taste of it. And so to see them react in that way that should be really interesting and spencer in that that scene um, when he prevents all of the, the other residents from taking food it it introduces the idea that maybe a group like this early on with conflict has the chance to be really naive i would say based on on the rick's group standards and uh, just assume that they can collaborate effectively like that versus the reality of the situation, and I I kind of like on paper what they tried to do with Spencer, but something was just really off.
2: To to quickly jump in, first of all, um, the reason I keep calling Aaron Eric. Uh, I just looked up, is because they that is the name of the the couple. It's Eric and Aaron. And so in my head, that's why I keep switching them. I apologize, gentle listeners. I mean Aaron. Aaron is who I'm talking about. Sean is right, as he so often is. Um, with that scene with Spencer, it, this episode sort of addresses the, the frustrations I think a lot of viewers have with the Alexandrians, stupid Alexandrians being Alexandrian. Uh, like they have one challenge, and they're all like, "Screw it! I'm stealing everything from the store," uh, which is just such a compared to the characters. You know, like the, the experiences we've watched over the the six you know seasons of the show. It's like this is what has you freaked out. This, um, but I, I think it's good that we get that finally addressed. The scene at the um at the you know with Olivia and they're all she's trying to maintain order and. Diana isn't unfortunately isn't in a place where she can inspire her people right now, um, so Spencer steps in and you know some of the people step in. You know I, I like that that we, they let uh, Olivia you know try to make you know make the case and that Spencer is successful. Uh, but for me, a much more successful version of this is what we get with Denise and Tara. Um, I, Tara is so kind to Denise, basically saying. Yeah, being scared sucks. Oh my god, how do you not know this yet? How do you not know this at this stage with the stage of the Zompocalypse?
1: <laughs> that was easily the, the highlight of the episode for me. And again, it's, it's putting characters into similar situations that we've seen in the past, but because of how closed off Alexandria has been, it's a little bit more interesting, or it can be. Like... I don't know how many other characters we've had. It feels like everybody's adapted really quickly and really well to the apocalypse. Like they've acclimated, they've taken on roles that they had no experience with prior to this in their lives. And Denise is a great example of that where she doesn't just slide right in and become the person that everybody needs her to be. Like it's genuine conflict. And I think that that's why that storyline works so well.
2: Yeah, I had a big old yay in my notes when um when when Denise just walks up to Tara and plants one on her. I was like, yes, go Denise! Please yeah. tell me mean that make that mean that Merritt Weaver will be around for a while.
1: <laughs> They're gonna take her away from you immediately.
2: Yeah, that's not allowed. It's not allowed. Walking Dead show. Just so you know, show don't don't make that happen. Um, but yeah, th- having that human element, I think, is so important. Even which is with the characters, we we jumped in with. You know, Rick being having been in a coma, so a lot of the people who couldn't, you know, handle couldn't go into crisis mode successfully died before the show even started. So to see that coming up now, I mean, there may be questions of how believable it is that even in this community they would be this sheltered and this unprepared to even just cope with stress um, as they are. But I still think it's it's a thing as a storyline or a motivation that they can get, get some mileage out of again, if they, depending on how they, they handle it. But, um, yeah, for me, yes, this is not, I think this is a step down from some of the other episodes, uh, this season for most of the other episodes this season. It's been a strong season so far, but I do think for, for me, a lot of the stuff that we get with Deanna does work. I, I think, uh, you know, the Tova Felcha just is fabulous. Everybody, um, People who know who she is, you know, just know she's fabulous. People who only know her from The Walking Dead, um, she is has a long and storied career, uh and and she sells the crap out of, of certain moments. I loved the beginning, um having it be in Deanna's point of view with no score and there's just some ambient noise and, um, you know, Rick and Michonne are talking, but they're further away, so they're kind of muted. I thought that was very effective. You know, we get a a very effective kind of crazy walk (laughs) from her partway through the the episode. When she starts making plans for the future of Alexandria, that's a a significant moment for this episode. And, you know, Dollar Hick to be Proterit Olam, um, this pain will be useful to you. Um, such an important theme. I like that they don't, you know, then have her say that and have her say what it means and have it be, I like that, that she writes that for herself on her plans and um, figure, you know, it's a, they figure, the show figures the audience will get it. Uh, so, so yes, this, the stuff we get with some of the other Alexandrians and or, or like random Alexandrian, you know, Alexandrian number two um, doesn't necessarily work and I have trouble buying that these people are still alive like how did how did the wolves not kill these people
1: yeah i have a lot of questions actually like didn't we just not see how rick got away
2: yeah we just didn't see that
1: (laughs) that that was like a cliffhanger at the end of the last episode right yeah he just ran ran
2: faster than them is how he got away
1: (laughs) that's fantastic you know, uh, a little
2: CrossFit, helps everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has experience, so whatever. Yeah, but no, the, the DNA stuff is excellent, and she commands the the screen very well with her presence, and uh, that, that scene especially where she's working on new plans is great, kind of muddled by following it afterwards with a very immature Spencer, uh, dragging some of that away. But yeah, as far as the other Alexandrians, like, Jesse is another one where I feel like I should not even be invested in her more than i am because i don't necessarily think that's true but i should have a better sense of who she is and i don't feel like i do and i really don't care much about the her and rick stuff
2: yeah she doesn't feel um she felt like more of a character in the past at this point she feels like she is a mom and she loves her kids and is defensive of them and she's a love interest for rick Like, I don't feel like I could list off many personality traits of her other than she's pretty and she's nice, like vaguely nice. Um, What we got with her in the previous, you know, the wolves episode where she just had to just destroy that person who came in in, into her house. That could have led to something really powerful. But instead, we just kind of get her in what feels like Rick lecture mode. Rick from a few seasons back, you know standing by a fire, lecturing the group. like they, I feel like they could do so much more with that character.
1: And that's where it really fell short. Like you, there was a different version of that going into the house and, and killing her friend that would have been very powerful just on its own and kind of letting that sit. Um, but then the speech afterwards, I guess because it just didn't sound all that believable, which granted it, it might not because – people characters in that situation would have to kind of convince themselves to be something that they might not be for the sake of the group but at the same time it, it's just not I, i'm not convinced certainly and i i don't know how realistic it would be for the rest of them to be convinced
2: now on the other hand uh, i gotta give rick credit where, where it's due that was a really good speech that he gave uh, earlier in the episode um that's something we've complained about on the podcast at various points that uh there are so many speeches, so many rallying cries. It's something like I always think of Buffy season seven with the innate, like unending number of speeches in that season of a, of a show that I love. Um, but when it's effective, it's effective. Um, how do you think the show's handled Rick and his relationship with his, with the Alexandrians? I mean, that is presented at least to me as a very effective rallying speech. But don't shouldn't they all think he's crazy and not listen? Like where where should It feels inconsistent I guess
1: That's where the problem is Is that based on speeches Like that and what we've seen of Rick In the past um, I'm a little less hesitant About the the show pushing Him back into the central leader position Especially when I think that um, Or I previously thought that it'd be Great to have the two of them uh, him and Deanne Be co-leaders but uh, Yeah that realistically They shouldn't be buying into what he's selling as much right now and I don't know it's this is an episode that that should be addressing that effectively and maybe they just didn't spend enough time on on that arc because they were doing other things with other subsets of characters um especially uh, Maggie and Aaron but I I think that Rick's been good this season and that wasn't necessarily the case last season. I think that he has finally come out of that period where the back and forth was more annoying than it was believable. And now he's kind of... The the conflict with him now is mirroring how Morgan came out of his kind of troubled personality stage. And I see the two of them playing off really well but then again, Morgan has that background with Rick, much more so than the Alexandrians do. So I think there still has to be a couple more of those speeches or shows of um, better planning. I mean, the technically his thing went down well. It could have gone down perfectly, but it didn't, of course. But he still helped the situation, and Aaron was quick to point that out. So it's another one of those is okay but definitely needs to be better
2: well and i think it also comes down to the show wanting to have their cake and eat it with rick like they want him to be leader guy but then they go oh wait a second let's have some more drama with what the what are the alexandrians gonna say whereas i feel like at this point if he gets them through this while i i think they still need deanna to be in charge i've kind of done hearing Grumbling from the Alexandrians because he will have saved them, and clearly they're not ca- capable of of handling the stuff on their own the way that they were trying to tell themselves that they were. So I, you know, with this attack from the wolves, <coughs> which could have come, <coughs> which could have come at any time, uh, and you know Rick couldn't have prevented that, uh, wiping them out and putting them on edge, and then you know, this, if they survive this horde of walkers, which as, you know, it's a TV show. We're pretty sure they're going to survive. Um, I, d- I think I need the show to settle the question uh, of the Alexandrians because so much of the, the back and forth, what people, including myself, have complained about in regards to Rick the Leader has been the show not committing to that and sticking with it. The show, you know, having people keep, you know, as a way of manufacturing drama... keep questioning him and you know has he gone too far and all these things like I I think if if we just had a consistent you know consensus I guess from the Alexandrians there's only so many of them if we can get them to have a consistent approach to Rick then I think I can handle the you know or I can be much more appreciative of watching their struggle as they try to get a hang on what's happening.
1: And I really think that they're going to move in that direction and that might be me being a little bit too optimistic based on this last season, uh, using Morgan as that, that Mm -hmm. Morgan's kind of the mentor and that's going to kind of push Rick in the direction that we would like to see him go in that consistent role.
2: Well, I love this conversation that they have been setting up with Morgan and, and Rick and that they've let them both at various points of this season and last season seem clearly wrong and clearly right um you know maybe they've gone a little too far the other direction this season with morgan being clearly wrong but again at least that they're engaging in an interesting conversation and one that the show does keep coming back to but more successfully in some of their other favorite favorite like ideas or tropes so so if they if the conversation is about rick and morgan and their philosophies that's one thing if it's Rick and Morgan, but at the same time, Rick is trying to like pacify the Alexandrians who keep causing trouble or keep not being appreciative of the fact that they are only alive because of him um, and the other members of his group, I should say. But um, that... I think that would just, again, like I said, I think that would go a long way towards getting me on board with the Alexandrians as a group.
1: Uh, after uh thank you two episodes ago, how... How long did you think it would take the series to answer the Glenn question?
2: I wasn't – I figured either we'd get an answer right away and we'd pick up with with Glenn or um, when it became clear that was not what was going to happen, uh, we weren't going to hear a thing for a while. And that actually takes us to, I think, for me, the weakest part of this entire episode – um, I'm curious what you think of it, but I I think I know what they were trying to do with that Maggie and Aaron conversation, but holy crap, that's didactic. What they The dialogue they give uh, Lauren Cohen to, to sell about I don't get to know uh, what will happen and I don't get to know why it happened, and it's like, could you be talking more to the audience? You don't get to know right now, and you have to be okay with that. And that, you know, like... It just felt especially given and I don't know if this is what they intended, but given the way that they've handled the, the press and interviews since this whole Glenn debacle kind of uh, fired up in, in you know outside of the show and the conversation around the show, that just felt like uh, being lectured by, by the show writers, uh, the showrunners of um, you know for, for having the temerity to want to know what happened.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to reshred old ground because people have been talking about this for weeks, obviously, but um, I I mean, I originally kind of liked the idea on paper or rather than liking it, accepted it just because I think that The Walking Dead hasn't really done this yet um, in, in the sense that, yeah, there was that Sophia thing in season two, but we never like definitively saw her in the same way that we saw Glenn in danger on screen. And so I feel like everybody gets one and I was able to go along with it, but the, the weird structuring it and how they handle it here. Like, yeah, if we don't settle it immediately, then and the, the logical thing is, you know, we probably won't see it next week either. It'll probably be the, the mid season finale. Uh, and that we'll probably spend time with, with Daryl and, uh, Sasha and Abraham, uh, before that. But, there was nothing, it might be because Maggie's taken a back seat recently, I don't know. But it's really disappointing because Maggie and Aaron are characters I really like, and I assume that most of the viewers would agree with that as well. And it doesn't really amount to anything other than time stalling. Like, like literally, the, the whole plot point by plot point progression of it is, oh, we're going to go out there, oh, and then we don't.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is
1: kind of disappointing.
2: Yeah, it's um, the show saying we need Maggie to want to be proactive because that is fitting for her. Um, So and because the audience wants her to be to want to be proactive, Um, but we can't actually have her leave. So how can we stretch that for an episode? And I was so glad to be getting time with Maggie. and I like that Aaron like tries to talk her down and, and everything. She's like, "Okay, yep, absolutely. Sure thing crap where'd you go. I like that that was nice to see that side of, of Maggie again. Um but it needed again to go somewhere. Now I did really like the reveal at the end of the episode that she's pregnant, which is something that we had speculated about on the podcast and I'm sure other viewers had as well. I thought that was a cute way to do that. Um but there's there's so much more you could have done with that time. And and hopefully this will lead to more happening with, with Maggie and uh a closer relationship with, with Aaron maybe and hopefully this will then focus her back on Deanna and building, you know, their community. Like it looked like she was gonna be a, a leader in the community working with Deanna last season. But um yeah, I was so glad to get the time with Maggie that when it came to nothing and literally was just let's have some water zombies uh it was it was it was disappointing.
1: Yeah, especially like her line, if he's dead, I don't want to be waiting on him. It's such a Maggie line. It's not sappy. It's to the point, and it's realistic, and it defines kind of the relationship between those two. It There has to be a way to contrive it so that you can give both of them more, that they can do something else rather than just kind of talk about it at this point, point. and it wasn't that. It was yeah. just an entire episode of kind of stalling, which is a type of Walking Dead episode that exists, but it wasn't a good version of it.
2: No. Um, now we, uh, I, I I really liked the design of the water walkers, but how is their brain not decayed? If every other part of them has decayed, <laughs> how have bugs not gotten in their ears and started chewing on their brains?
1: These questions pop up. I mean, my big one for the episode was like, why don't they just kill the walkers outside of the gates? Like, Use sharp objects and just stab them in the head one at a time. It might take a while, but they'll get there mm-hmm. eventually. But yeah, the again, great design and, and The Walking Dead has been consistently fantastic at that. I think in terms of finding interesting and very disgusting designs for zombies. But uh, <laughs> best to just put those questions aside, Kate.
0: <laughs> um,
2: the other like the other question that of course popped into my mind as I was watching this is now maybe I'm. I could have just seen it wrong, but when they're writing the names on the wall, everybody seems like they get a last name except for Nicholas and Glenn because they, like, write Nicholas and then they write Glenn right under, but everybody else, it looks like it's a first name and then last name underneath it. These are the kind of details I was noticing in this episode that I wouldn't have been nitpicking in the previous episodes because, frankly, they were better.
1: You uh, have to have been living in Alexandria for at least two years before you get a last name.
2: Before you're allotted a last name that you go over to the store and Olivia hooks you up with the last name.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Nice. The other thing, I, uh, detail like that that I will say that I was glad for is um, I was so glad in that, that conversation with Maggie and with Aaron, I was so glad to hear Maggie say she was stupid for burning that picture. Like that was, <laughs> I that that's a nice bit of Siri's memory and that's the kind of thing, because I, I remember when she did that, everybody like on the podcast and everybody I talked to about that were like dumbass don't do that you're jinxing yourself this is a terrible idea you're gonna regret it later uh, I like when they bring back those those details I, like that a little thing like that makes me connect with a scene like that exchange between Maggie and Aaron all the more um, did you have any little moments like that this episode
1: Um, I don't think there were any ones that we haven't talked about yet Uh again I don't want to be too down on it because you kind of have to do something like this following the the big fight but yeah it's just a shame I guess that the the characters that we were following didn't have more interesting emotional moments than they did It 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 was the beginnings of them and not really the payoffs and maybe we'll get those payoffs maybe a lot of this is set up um that we'll look back on and and realize that there was a lot of groundwork done here but um it's mostly i think the alexandrian stuff that that needs more work it was a convenient Mm -hmm. way certainly to to get rid of a lot of them so that Mm -hmm. we had fewer of them to have to develop in the future but even with the ones who we have spent a lot of time with this kind of wasn't the big jump that. The characters needed
2: yeah well and again going back to a character like jesse the uh her making out with Chris, her making out with rick at the end uh it, it feels sort of rote it's like a thing we've been like we keyed into this is rick's new love interest back when he first showed up at alexandria and so i i they i felt like they've those actors have had more chemistry in the past and they didn't really hear so maybe that's some of it but um i i look forward to hopefully getting some surprises, but in a way that feels organic to what we already know and and, in, and maybe in keeping with these characters a bit more. And just some, some moves with the Alexandrians that feel that feel less, again, less rote, less like point A to point B to point C. Uh, and I also would like to have a, a stronger sense of how many Alexandrians are. Like, I need a Battlestar-style whiteboard for how many Alexandrians are there just like, what is the size of this community? What is, you know, just how, how many, again, to keep referencing other shows, how frequently are they going to bring Nikki and Paolo in where there are these other Alexandrians that have been there the whole time that, you know, like I, I feel like I should know this community by this point. We've spent enough time there. So these are just some frustrations, I guess, for this, for for this episode or or just in general where the season's at. and, Mm -hmm. Again, I wouldn't be having these frustrations, I think, if I hadn't enjoyed the rest of the season so much.
1: Everything about Jesse's older son just needs to go.
2: Yeah. What? You don't want to watch Target Practice with Rick and <laughs> Rick and Ron? <laughs>
1: Jesus. It's, it's such a terrible C storyline right now. Like, mm-hmm. Carl's gotten zero to do as well, and this is one way of trying to figure it out, but it's not good.
2: Yeah, well, and Carl's not gotten much to do, but he hasn't been annoying that's you know he hasn't been like getting himself into danger uh which is nice oh and Rick- ricky d did also want to mention he was also right the baby was not in danger uh that was the another way that ricky once again predicted the future of the walking dead um it's kind yeah, of terrifying
1: how often he does that
2: it is it is it's it's a superpower clearly his spidey sense uh should shall be uh should be trusted by all um but for for this episode yeah i mean I like that they're trying to develop Jesse's kids and make them more rounded um but I think maybe it would be wise to key into some of the other characters like I I'm super invested in Aaron um, I could be very invested in Spencer. I'm very invested in Olivia, even though she's gotten almost no screen time and in in uh Denise. And I like this idea of Alexandria as a community because it's been so sheltered, because people have been able to survive there that wouldn't like that haven't survived anywhere else, that it has other strengths going for it, that it has people that you know, like I think we can pretty safely say we don't think um Denise or Olivia, or probably many of the Alexandrians, even the ones that we like, you know, like Deanna's husband, who obviously is no longer with us, but did survive a long time, would not have survived pretty much anywhere else. And that makes this a unique community that gives, you know, yes, maybe they can't, these are people who can't live out on the road, but they can do other things. They can help rebuild. And maybe that's what this this world needs right now. Because so many of the people who could uh, reestablish community and and you know restart the agriculture and restart all these other parts of of civilization got killed off, that's why so much of the world uh, that at least that we've seen this corner that we've seen feels feels the same because it's all the same types of people who have survived. So I feel like like there's so much they could do with that.
1: Absolutely, this is a great group to stick alongside the. Uh what has been the regular The Walking Dead group since the beginning, because Rick's group gets to see who they used to be at various points within these characters, and then hopefully kind of correct mistakes and teach through experience so that they uh, avoid some of the things that they've had to deal with in the past. I I even like uh, Jesse's younger son, at least the dynamic that he has with Carol especially, like Mm -hmm. there there are worthwhile characters here and with people like denise um i think that they've really done some work already it's just a matter of finding the right stories to to make the rest of them interesting in some way and that doesn't mean in ways that we have to like them spencer can be a good character and we can hate him he could be a fine villain that that works but it it just got to feel right i guess
2: and I also even just you know while I'm complaining about certain aspects of this episode and some of the stuff with Spencer specifically, I like that we get a freak out like that I think it's important that we get a freak out like that um and I it'd be nice if they were willing to have a freak out like that with a character that we already liked like to get a scene like that with Aaron
1: yeah, yeah I could see that I also liked that it. it's Spencer just going for the booze because that's kind of how you would have to deal with that and that's I mean,
2: We don't see that happening nearly. We 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 obviously we had Bob and you know him dealing with his sobriety, but (laughs) there should be much more people getting drunk in the (laughs) apocalypse. Should be, yeah. So I mean, like you can't when you're on the road because if you get drunk, then then you might get your face eaten in the middle of the night. But like we've had Daryl and uh, um, Beth going for booze. (laughs) We've had Bob's struggle with uh, alcoholism, and that's it. So we had the party, the welcoming party, I guess. There were some booze there. But um but yeah, and it and, and it's also just finding those dynamics. Like you say with Jesse's youngest son and Carol. That's that's dynamite. That is like comedy gold for the show, which is such an important um uh muscle for them to flex now and then. So maybe it's it's just a matter of you know, they've put Tara, who's also been very underserved, with, with Denise. There can be a lot more that the mileage they can get out of those characters now that they're together. I mean, We'd, maybe we just need to find the right mix. And I guess for me, Jesse and, and Rick is less interesting than maybe Jesse and, and somebody else would be.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the big takeaway in this episode is Denise and Tara, because that was an obvious pairing with immediate payoff.
2: I love how this show has just become um, one of the most diverse casts on television um, in many ways, and also one one of the, the shows on TV that's like, yeah, we're going to have two women make out close, you know, close up, not a big deal, not, you know, shown as sexy, shown as like emotionally vulnerable and um, an important moment for the for the two of them and. Uh, I love that, that that this is just... I mean, because it's such... You know, it's something I keep talking about when it comes up. And I talked about this with Aaron, too. Aaron and Eric, uh, when they were reunited. But um, I just love that that is the thing. That this show is. While it's also one of the most watched shows on television.
1: Yeah. That that makes it much more important, I think. Because mm-hmm. this is the most watched show on cable. Um, and to to portray certain issues that... You would figure a lot of networks might be tiptoeing around. Like AMC has just let it go free reign, and it's worked really well.
2: Well, and it's not even just uh, you know ethnicity or uh, or sexuality. It's also age—the like age of the characters, body type. There's you know having a group like the Alexandrians allows them to have older people, allows them to have you know bigger people people who are not gonna win the run the runoff away from the zombies where you just need to be the second slowest you know it it's it's allowed them to show a a more diverse group of people and if they can now add to the personalities to match the the physicality of that uh that and, and maybe add more distinction between the alexandrians rather than the three alexandrians who support rick and the ten that don't um then you know there's just so much potential here.
1: Yeah, I like that you pointed out body type, although then that brings up another one of those questions that you kind of just have to put aside because realistically every single person in Rick's group should be much more gaunt than they are right now.
2: They should be like skeletal. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh you get you get a good workout killing zombies and uh <laughs> and apparently they just there's an non like a never ending supply of canes of beans that they can like find along the way. Uh and also it's never winter. So, you know, lots of things.
1: Everything's peachy.
2: Especially baby Jude's peaches, which I assume she has <laughs> somewhere in there. Well, what are you looking forward to in the next few episodes? If you could like decide if you like you're gonna program the next three episodes of The Walking Dead going into the mid season finale. Let's have some fun. Progn- I mean, neither of us is Ricky. We won't just automatically be right, but let's have some fun prognosticating. What say you, Sean?
0: Um
1: I would say one of the... So we have three episodes left, right? Yes. One of the next two episodes should be just Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham. like Nothing at Alexandria. Um, And I don't necessarily know if I would introduce new characters into that. I guess it'd be hard because Daryl's kind of separated, so he would just be on screen by himself. But that would be one of my general ideas... And then the other of those two would try to pay off some of the the stuff that was done today, uh, this week, um, in ways that you could introduce some kind of conflict. But I kind of almost like another episode like this, a quiet one, but one that just does it much better. Like I said, I think this is a necessary type of Walking Dead episode given how much stuff has to happen in this season. And there are good versions of this in season two is not that. Um, But I'd like a better version of that. Maybe with some of the other characters that we didn't get time with in this episode, like Carol. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in the mid-season finale, obviously somehow address the Glen thing and bring everybody back together. While also at least setting up something more tangible with the wolves, I guess.
2: I would be interested in... An episode following Enid to the wolves and showing that like sort of like the governor, but, you know, send around Enid who we like as opposed to the governor who's terrible. Um, so just like I think that's another way because it seems like I would agree with you that they're going to have the Glenn stuff come to a head in which which again for me just underlines the fact that he's not dead because if he was dead, they I don't think this would be happening.
1: I would uh, be so utterly shocked if he was dead.
2: Yeah. So it feels like they're going to have him reappear in the mid-season finale um, or they would have already done it. And so to me, it's like we've got I agree, Daryl, Abraham, Sasha episode. Daryl's been like so many of these characters. There's a trouble when you have so many great characters or interesting characters. um, It's it's easy to underserve a lot of them. So he's been very underserved. He needs more time. Um, So episode with them, Um, I, I would be like I said, I'd be totally down for an episode. That follows Enid back to the wolves, and we get a, a better sense of who they are. If they're going to be around for a while longer, let's get a better sense of who they are and their philosophy, since it seems like they do have a distinct philosophy, sort of like the Terminus crew did. Um, I could absolutely spend some time, uh, or at least part of an episode there, maybe part of the episode following Glenn, and then bring things to a head in the the mid season finale. I don't know how soon he's showing up, but I wanted to mention um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan got cast as one of the the baddies um, like from the comics, one of the main baddies. I don't know anything about it because, like I said, I haven't read the comics. But um, he's going to be really fantastic in that role. So I'm very excited about it. I'm guessing that's next half season or maybe it'll be next year in season seven. But um, that has a lot of potential. Um, anything else that you – because I keep talking about how I want – uh a happy episode so like i don't know flashback to glenn and maggie's wedding or um just something something happy would be nice
1: uh, alternatively i could deal with just morgan going off into his own show spin-off or seven morgan yeah
2: just all all lenny james all the time
1: yeah that'd be fine
2: yeah that would i could totally take that well uh any final thoughts then on this episode um Any other elements like direction or or cinematography or scoring that you wanted to mention?
1: The Walking Dead always nails those technical things, like, across the board. It's such a well-put-together show, which is why in the past I've been so disappointed with it. And I'm really happy to not be of that mind anymore. And my final thought would be related to that, that I'm sure that there's tons of fans who are very disappointed with this episode. And it really does seem like Scott Gimple has great control over it at this point and i would just urge them to to remember that the rest of this season has been of a very high quality you know it's not one of the handful of best shows on tv but it's certainly worth watching and actually investing time in at this point which in previous years it had not necessarily been that every week so just stick with it next week's episode will almost certainly be much better than this
2: yeah i i I agree with that and uh, i would even you know for people when this starts showing up when we start doing our end of year lists and people are sending in their top tens of the year top 20 of the year um i would not be surprised to see this showing up on people's lists because i for me it's not top 10 but for people who don't watch oh man sean i added it up so far i've seen over 110 full seasons of television this year
1: you know what this is like kind of my new way of evaluating shows is like if you watch X amount of shows, this is what you should be watching. And uh, Randy and I were talking about Arrow a few weeks ago, and I was like, you know what? Arrow isn't even like if you watch 100 shows, Arrow should be one of those shows anymore. So that's... <laughs> it's Burn. Uh, you know, sorry, Arrow. You used to be quite good. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a lot of TV, Kate. And... It is
2: a lot of TV. But, I mean, what I'm saying is with this, like, so for me... I've got a very large pool that I'm drawing from, and there's a lot of really great stuff in there. Um, and this, I think, has been very good, to at times great, um, this calendar year. And so I absolutely understand this showing up in people's end of the year lists. And and as you know, if it ever breaks through at the Emmys to get a best drama nomination, I get it because again, when they're when they're firing on cylinder on all cylinders, this is a fantastic show. So this is me you know, a little less. Uh, you know of a thrilling episode this week but I mean the next episode is called Always Accountable so I have a feeling it'll be you know another um, intense one
1: (laughs) yeah looking forward to it
2: Yeah, so uh, thank you so much Sean for coming on this somewhat truncated episode of the Pop-Up Dick Walking Dead podcast where can our listeners find you and your work online
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Colletti and my stuff for TV should be coming up on Pop Optic. I do a podcast with Randy Dankovich called The Midseason Replacements, where uh, we do not watch 100 TV shows, unfortunately. So we usually only cover one or two per week. Um, but there's that, and I'll be reviewing uh, the rest of the season of The Flash. And yeah, I'm just if, if you're interested in my writing, uh, just just follow me on Twitter, and I'll post links to stuff on there.
2: And on Twitter, you are.
1: Uh, at my name, at Sean Colletti.
2: And uh, to reach out to myself, you can email Televerse at gmail.com. The Televerse is the weekly TV podcast that I host over here at, t- at Pop Optic, uh, where we talk about everything that isn't The Walking Dead. Um, not everything, because even I can't watch everything, but uh, more than I should,
1: probably. You're doing a pretty good job.
2: Thank you. Much appreciated, Sean. Um, and you can also, of course, respond to this post at the website and uh, and reach reach me on Twitter at the Televerse. Um, so next week I'll be back to talk about Season 6, Episode 6, Always Accountable, written by Heather Belson and directed by Jeffrey F. January. But until then, thank you once more, Sean, for coming on. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast.
1: Hey Tom, it's Bob From the office down the hall It's good to see you, buddy How've you been? Things have been okay for me Except that I'm a zombie now I really wish you'd let us in I think I speak for all of us When I say I understand Why you folks might hesitate To submit to our demand But here's an FYI I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes